Hello friends, my name is Danny, And I'm Brenna. And, and this, this is Lago Stories. Today's episode contains graphic information that some listeners may find disturbing. Listener's discretion is advised. Welcome back, Lagos friends, to season two. Y'all, I honestly can't explain how excited I am for season two. We will not only have a bunch of more gory cases, well, I mean, at least Brenna's. (laughs) Y'all get ready. (laughs) But we'll also have some great ideas coming up and some upgrades for expansion this year as well. I am so excited. Feels good to be back. I hope everybody had a good holiday season and New Year season. Did you get everything you wanted for the holidays? Let <laughs> us know. I just, we've missed so much. Yeah. It was a nice break, but we're super happy to be back. And this is something we love doing. And y'all support with the case suggestions, comments, and sharing our posts means the world to us. So we're just happy to be back for round two, baby bigger and better oh yeah today my story will be told a little different than our normal layout i want to give you the full picture so i'm gonna have to give you little glimpses into what happened and then backtrack on the background and information to catch you up we will have to go back to the year 2006 do you even remember what we were doing (laughs) no i was like preteen yeah we were in right? the, we were in the sixth grade because oh, we, we were, were 16 the, we were in sixth grade girl no 2006 i was born in 93 three plus seven is ten seven plus okay i can't do that <laughs> what is seven plus six okay preteen yeah. yeah no we were in the sixth we were the year where every year was the year we were in our grade so like first we grade were? we were one first grade we were 2001, second grade, 2002. Because oh, we know graduated that. 2012. Yeah. yeah. So that's, we're like, that was like the big thing. I Dang, can't believe you could have saved me all that math. <laughs> you could have saved that's me what, so much time. I mean, it, it wasn't math here. It just clicked sixth grade, baby. <laughs> <laughs> because there is a sixth there. I was like, this wow. is the only thing I knew. Wow. Right now we're in the 22nd grade. <laughs> <laughs> we're so smart. <laughs> oh my gosh. But. The pivotal of this case is the IMing, and I remember doing that all the time. Oh my god, yeah. Like thinking you were so cool, meeting catfishing these so many people. That's all <laughs> I did. Meeting so many people, or even just messaging your friends on IM. I would like send yes. my away message. <laughs> I was into yes. it. Yes. But yes. Um, and then we also cannot forget our MySpace and the top eight that would make or break friendships. It's hard to believe that we ever lived in an age without TikTok or Instagram. But the dangers of the internet are still the white elephant in the room that no one talks about for sure. Okay, but you also didn't mention Pixel. And- oh! <laughs> Pixel, you have my heart still. That, that also made jam. <laughs> that also made or break. Yeah. Made or break your fake friendship. For, for sure. sure. Okay, so this story begins when the user, Tall Hot Blonde, meets Marine Sniper in a chat. The pair met while playing their favorite computer games. Both loved to meet people through online chat rooms. When Marine Cypher reached out to Tall Hot Blonde, the first thing she said back to him right away was, quote, you're in the wrong room. This is a kid's room, end quote. Shocked at the remark, Marine Sniper quickly responded that he was 18 years old and in boot camp to become a Marine. 
After the confirmation that the two were the same age, the two quickly became infatuated with each other. They would spend hours upon hours IMing back and forth, exchanging pictures, love letters, homemade videos, care packages. The relationship had started to take things to the next level. And I must admit, some of their message exchange made me quite uncomfortable. But Tall Hot Blonde, whose real name was Jessica, who I will refer to as Jessie, and Marine Sniper, whose real name was Tommy, seemed to connect with each other on a level that neither had ever experienced before. One of their packages in particular changed the dynamic of their relationship for the pair. It was one of Tommy's most prized possession. Jessie had sent him a pair of red underwear, and they would exchange messages back and forth on what they would do with it when they finally met in person. It was hard for the two to connect in real life, though, since Tommy, who had gone through boot camp at this point to become a Marine, would often be on top-secret military missions during his deployments and away for weeks at a time. Tommy would keep Jesse updated on his whereabouts through his father. He would message Jesse update on Tommy's behalf when he was unreachable. The time apart was very hard on the couple, but the time Tommy returned from his deployment, he would actually ask Jesse to marry him, and the two were engaged. Okay, so I only have a picture of actual catfishes because I feel like that's all that went on (laughs) during the AOL stage, but I'm assuming since they sent videos and now she knows his father that they are who they say they are, right? We'll get there. Oh, (laughs) wait. So, but you said they sent videos, but not of their faces? I'll explain all that in later detail. Oh, gosh. Okay. It was not long into their relationship, Tommy, whose actual name was Thomas Montgomery, a 47-year-old man who was married with two kids and a wife, Cindy, who became suspicious of his consistent attachment with the computer and odd behavior every time she would approach the screen. It was not until she found one of the packages Jesse sent with the red underwear, she fully connected the dots on what had been going on. I have to give it up to my girl, Cindy. She not only left Thomas, but she also wrote Jesse a letter and attached a photo of her family to expose the person she was really talking to. Cindy was horrified by the messages her husband had been exchanging and wanted to send a warning and word of advice to the young girl. Wow. Okay, so called it. (laughs) But 47? So he just faked all the time away and was like, oh, I'm deployed or whatever. Yeah, and I'll go back and kind of give you a deep dive on what his state of mind is and where he was getting what he was sending her and all of those things too. But yeah, I mean, to me, Cindy, that's awesome for you to not only expose him, but let her know, like, you need to be careful. In her letter, she she really put out, like, make sure you know who you're talking to before you really let yourself fall this way and, and mm-hmm. send these type of messages and... And really put yourself out there with, like, the photos and the packages that she was sending and just giving her a word of advice for sure. Okay, my next question is, was Jesse actually Jesse, an 18-year-old? So I'll dive deep into Ah, both of their backgrounds. Okay. Hold on to that thought because I want to get your opinion by the end of it on what you think was really going on. Okay. Clearly devastated and shocked, Jesse cut off communications with who she thought was quote-unquote Tommy. Jessie was a small-town girl from West Virginia who loved basketball and softball and whose biggest problem in the world at the time was what she was going to do after graduation. We've all been there. So now finding out the man who she thought was her soulmate was a liar, she needed to find out more. 
She remembered that when she was first introduced to Marine Sniper, that he mentioned that he worked with another user, whose name was Beefcakes. Not long after reaching out to Beefcake, a 22-year-old man, whose name was Brian Barrett, the two would kindle a relationship. The same pictures and sexual messages that she shared with Tommy, she would now rebuild that same foundation with Brian, who fell just as easily as she did. Mm, I'm suspicious <laughs> about beefcakes. Don't be suspicious about beefcakes. Really? Yeah. I'm getting even more suspicious vibes about beefcakes. <laughs> so the whole reason that that came up about was because Marine Sniper and Beefcakes in real life actually work together at the same place. But do they actually in real life? Is that what you're Yeah, no, me? they do. Oh, okay, <laughs> they okay. actually work together in real I'm life. I'm like, I don't know what's real you're anymore. Like, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Blink twice if you're unsafe. Yeah, for real. <laughs> Jesse confined in Brian about what happened with her and Thomas. Clearly shocked and horrified, Brian quickly surrounded himself in the drama of it all. Jesse convinced Brian to ice out Thomas with her in their favorite online gaming community, calling him names like pedophile and loser to rile him up. Brian went as far as outing Thomas at work, so now both worlds Thomas lived in knew what he had done. Now, Brian did not come up with this idea on his own. Little did he know that Jesse was using their relationship to get back at Thomas for what he had done. All the message exchange, video chats, and photos were shared in detail with Thomas to further hurt him. Jesse knew what buttons to push to toy with Thomas's emotions. Dang, so she was sending all of the messages from her and beefcakes to Tommy. Mm-hmm, yeah. Oof. And what made it worse was that Brian not only had an online relationship with Thomas, but he also saw him in real life, too. Yeah, so that'd be awkward. <laughs> yes. Water cooler is full of chatter. Yeah, for sure. Now let's go back to learn a little bit more about Thomas before we keep going forward. Thomas would go on to explain that he lied about his age and quote-unquote identity to Jesse because he had heard about police fishing on the internet and he had panicked. But in reality, he did just that. (laughs) Thomas validated his actions because he would use old photos of himself to send to Jesse. When Thomas was younger, he was in the Marines and trained to be a sniper, but was discharged before seeing any combat. This identity was an escape for him to relive his dreams. In the documentary I watched, Thomas goes on about how he wanted nothing more in life than to be a Marine sniper, but his dreams were gone as quickly as they came. After leaving the military, he developed a drinking problem, but was able to clean his act up when he had met Cindy. Now, after 17 years of marriage, problems started to creep in as Thomas became impotent. But instead of talking it out with his wife, he escaped to his computer and the fantasy that he had built with Jesse. His game became an obsession that he could not live without. He even mentioned in the documentary that I brought up earlier that he would pretend to be Tommy's dad to try to end things while he was quote unquote away on those secret message and deployments that I mentioned earlier, but he could not stand being away for long. He would become irritable at home and snap at his wife and his daughters for no reason when he wasn't around it. As you can see, he was truly addicted. Wow. So he was the father also. Yes. So okay. he he pretended to be Tommy and he pretended to be Tommy's father that was updating her whenever he was gone. And then, like I mentioned, all the pictures that he was sending were pictures of himself and that's why he validated the behavior Just he was doing. his, yeah, his old self. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Tisk tisk. 
As the relationship grew, Thomas would lose more and more of his surrounding reality. A piece of evidence the police collected from his office was a sticky note that Thomas had wrote to himself manifesting how Thomas, the 47-year-old man, no longer existed and Tommy, the younger, stronger, and attractive version of himself, would take over. He even went as far as listing how long his penis would be when it would happen. Knowing that Jesse was with Brian killed him. He'd even threatened Jesse and her mother at one point if it didn't stop. I will spare you what they said, but they were not ones that I would entertain by any means. Even through these warning signs, Jesse could not stay away from Thomas. She would pull him in by saying things like he was the closest connection she now had with Tommy and missed the way things used to be. And just like that, they would be pulled right back in and connected. Brian and Jesse finally got to the point in their relationship where they were actually ready to meet. But Brian had made the mistake of telling people at work, so naturally Thomas found out. Thomas was enraged and sent threatening messages to both Jesse and Brian. This would be where things turned sour for Brian and Jesse as well. Jesse canceled their trip to meet, claiming that Brian only wanted to take her virginity. I will mention that Jesse's virginity was something that Thomas obsessed about. And what killed him even more was the idea of Brian taking that away, and it was just something he could not handle. After Brian and Jesse broke up, Jesse leaned hard into Thomas. Brian was not one for the drama, so he left the situation alone and voided them both on the internet and Thomas at work. Thomas was back on board on his roller coaster ride with Jesse. Here's a little piece of their message exchanges. Brenna, you be Marine Sniper and I'll be Tall Hot Blonde. Tall Hot Blonde. I ache to be with you, Tommy. Do you miss it, Tom? Marine Sniper, more than you will ever know. My heart aches to hear you call me your Tommy. I wish I could be that 19-year-old Marine for you. Tall Hot Blonde. I know, Tom. The two would go from literally making love through IMing to at each other's throat. Here is another brief snippet of their conversation. Brenna, you be Marine Sniper again. Okay. Marine Sniper, wish you were nude. Tall Hot Blonde, what would you do? Marine Sniper, stare. Tall Hot Blonde, that's all? Marine Sniper, nope, you might get the magic. Tall Hot Blonde, mmm. Make love to me, Tommy. Let's keep in mind that all these messages were after the little fact about him being 47 years old was uncovered. It was as if Jessie found enjoyment in the emotional roller coaster that she would force Tommy to ride. There was one message I found particularly disturbing. Brenna, do you mind reading it for us? Sure. Quote, I don't ever want to meet you or see you unless you are being gang raped, end quote. Well, yeah. It was after these particular message that Jesse stayed away from Thomas for a while. This drove him crazy, and he began stalking each time she came online and obsessively checking her MySpace. This is where he saw that she was still friends with Brian. He immediately reached out and accused the two were back together. Despite Jesse's efforts to correct him that they had in fact not gotten back together, Thomas was not hearing it. Thomas's reaction and threats worried her so much that she actually reached out to Brian explaining what Thomas was thinking and the threats that he was making against Brian. Brian then let her know that Thomas actually tried to hit him with his vehicle one time in the work parking lot. He then asked Jesse if he should reach out to his boss or let coworkers know what was happening and going on. Jesse expressed that she was worried for his safety, and Brian agreed. It would be on Friday, September 15, 2006, that Brian would find out how true those threats really were. 
At 10 p.m. after his shift at work, Brian would be shot to death three times in the driver's seat of his truck. And this made it even more heartbreaking for me because there's photos and images of Brian taking pictures with this truck that he had saved up for months Mm. to buy himself. And even to go back, he had also made comments of how, remember when he mentioned that he tried to hit him with his vehicle? Mm -hmm. He (laughs) was even more mad about the potential of him hitting his truck over his person. baby. Yeah, that's how much he loved that car. To make matters worse, one of Brian's rear tires was slit to make sure he had no escape, even if he knew it was coming. He would not be found until Monday, September 18th, as a co-worker headed into work. Police quickly placed Thomas as their prime suspect, with a growing fear that if they did not find him fast, he would flee and Jesse would be next. Police officers were able to locate her address from her MySpace page and headed straight over. Although Jesse was not there, her mom, Mary Sheeler, was. Quickly, the truth started to unfold as Mary dropped to the ground and revealed that she was really tall, hot blonde. Stop it. (laughs) This came to a shock to everyone, including Thomas. Police decided to keep this portion of the story from him until his court date and revealed that Tall Hot Blonde's true identity sealed with the image of 45-year-old Mary Sheeler, wife and mother. Oh my god. Okay, so a lot to unfold there. Mm-hmm. First, he was killed on Friday and he ha- he was dead all weekend in his car until somebody found him on monday yeah because he had plans over the weekend so he wasn't expected to be home so it wasn't like anyone made a conscious effort that he was missing because it was just like oh he's gonna be gone anyway and then until someone came to work that week i mean he was a 22-year-old kid who would work odd hours because he was actually going to school to become a teacher. So that's why his work hours were weird and when he would pop in and out was odd because he had school, he had work, and then obviously he's 22 years old. He has a social life. He's trying to meet people and have friends as well and do all of that stuff. Um, So that's why he was not found until Monday. And another concerning thing is police got her address off of MySpace. Was it publicly put on there or was it like kind of behind the scenes and because they were police, they found it? I think it was more of like the IP address, you know, oh, how okay. you can find all of that. I don't think But it she wasn't listed. like she posted yeah. it. Yeah. Okay. And then another thing, it's like the police, well, I guess they didn't want to make any more drama, but it seems like waiting until the day in court to be like, you got catfish too, was like hyping up, making it more dramatic. Well, I think they did it more as a, because he held on for a long time, and I'll get into it. Into confessing? Yeah, that he wasn't actually the person who did it. So I think that was a piece that they held on to, to see him emotionally break down and kind of have that psyche broken before they started to make sure like he admitted and that it was something he was a part of because for a long time he didn't want him at thought but you would think okay like in an interrogation room i'm gonna spill these secrets have him confess and plead guilty and then save everybody the trouble of a trial well he didn't but why didn't they say like hey you got catfish too like revealed mary equals jesse beforehand before the court you know i feel like they're like jumping into the drama too uh, I don't know. I, I see it differently. Like, I, I, because I don't think without that, 
and he wouldn't have he wouldn't have he wouldn't broke. understand yeah huh like i don't think he understands as i go through this i'll be interested if your opinion changes I'm not sure what is worse, though, from Thomas's interview about this. He openly admits that he was upset that it was not an 18-year-old girl. And he actually had the audacity to say that what Mary did was wrong. And I'm not saying she did anything right, but... Um, you did the same thing. Yeah, Thomas, keep your opinions to yourself. <laughs> That's bizarre, though, that they're actually, like around the same age and like compatible in a different world say that they're well now thomas is divorced i don't know mary if she was married or not she was and And then now now after okay so like they're like in that same range but pretending to be 18 and it's like if you would have just been yourself like it probably still would have worked exactly like yeah why is this all have to add it up be dramatic yeah and i mean i found it super disturbing that he was like emotionally heartbroken about it not being an 18 year old girl like gross but i was uh, i was more infuriated the fact that he was like you know slap on her wrist for doing that because that was wrong yeah well that and like she wouldn't have ever met up with brian anyways exactly yeah oh my gosh yeah During his arrest, Thomas pled that he was innocent and even went as far as calling his two daughters from prison, trying to convince them to tell their mother to testify that his father was home that night of the murders to avoid imprisonment. That phone call was also particularly heartbreaking. I listened to, like, the conversation because obviously they record every phone call. Yeah. And the girls were bawling. And at the end, they're like, you know, we love you, daddy. It was Oh my god, it was horrible. Why? Okay, so, but now he's just dragging them into it. One, is he an idiot and doesn't know that the call is being recorded? He was just trying to make it a point that he was not guilty. Like, that's as as deep-rooted as it was. Like, that's why I think the tactic of the police doing that was the only reason they got anywhere. Oh, so he's not even admitting to the fact that, like, Like, he's trying to say that he was at home with everybody. like, tell the police the truth. Yeah, like... Wink, wink. Like, he went as far as, like, you know that mommy's gonna have me go to prison if she doesn't tell the truth. Oh, my God. Yeah. Manipulative. This was after he found out that Cindy would not only testify, but let the police know that, in fact, he was not home that night with her. Again, you go, girl. Yes. Police theorized that he claimed his innocence because Maureen Sniper actually committed the murder, not Thomas. His defense team would even try this theory as an insanity defense during the crime, and that was quickly thrown out since the crime scene was planned and calculated. Okay, so I'm wondering, because I I definitely saw that beforehand, you know, like, he's not willing to admit that he's actually 47, he's 18-year-old, but I was wondering if he actually believed it, or if it was just kind of a ploy, and then at this point in time, he could use it. No, I think he really did actually believe it. There are times, like, if you watch the interview, yeah. personality? Yeah, he definitely had, it was like a sick mental break and this persona took over his entire life like he was addicted to the constant communication he was addicted to that identity like i mentioned at the beginning this is something that he had dreamed of and that he was gonna do and it was quickly taken away from him why he started the drinking problem and cindy got him through that until another problem came into play and now he was impotent 
Okay, so, well, that would make sense that he was like, shame on Mary. Exactly. Because he thinks that he's 18-year-old. Like, exactly. Like, he thinks the, that that, oh yeah. Oh, my God. And it's wild because this was after, like, this interview was done a couple years after the crime had committed. So clearly, like, he, <laughs> he wasn't coming to the understanding, like, you did this. And not only did you do this, but you did it for someone who did not exist and you took an innocent life of someone who was so young, who was on track to do amazing things because of something that wasn't even real. Yeah. Which, wow. like, to me, just... Yeah. Thomas was all set on going to trial until he was advised to take the plead from his lawyer. This was after the insanity thing was thrown out. I mean, they just knew. Yeah. As evidence was stacked against him and it was not looking good. Thomas pled guilty to first-degree murder and was sentenced to 20 years. Excuse me? Yep. 20 years? I know. This one is a miss Uh, for me. Like, I think with just the amount of, like, they had all of his messages, the packages, the letters. Like, just understanding that mindset of what he was doing before he even committed the crime. And even, like, the innocent play with him and jesse to like the threats to jesse her mom who was her mom which is confusing but (laughs) and brian right there like that's a clearly very unstable person and that's gonna take a long time and he committed a crime at an older age like 47 years old like for you to be a first-time crime committer like that's crazy well, that and, like, I feel like they only sentenced him to 20 years because Brian was, like, 22. But it's like he had his whole life ahead of him. So you would, one, I think, especially first-degree murder, saying, that okay, I plan to do this, that should be automatic at least 50 years. Yeah. At like, the very least. I mean, to me, this is a life imprisonment. Yeah. Like, this was not one day this was months and months and months of preparation as you kind of dove into this new persona and then not only on top of that you actually thought you didn't do it yeah well with this i mean if he actually did think that and like he actually did have like almost like a split personality it was just like the same him but you know 30 years ago then he should get like actual help but yeah i mean i mean i think it was more of just like a pride thing like he Mm. just it wasn't in a narcissistic way yeah all right what about what about our girl mary (laughs) if this case was not shocking enough mary is actually free and walked free and was never charged formally for her actions well i'm not surprised by that because even now like uh, I mean, she did threaten him, yes, but even now, like, the online world and social media isn't monitored, and, like, we really just got into that a few years ago with the other case where the girl and the girlfriend and boyfriend, mm-hmm. which we can get into at a later time, but there's, like, no rules. It's, like, social media is the wild, wild west. Yeah, and this was, just like you said, before the they knew the impact of social media and how the internet could do severe harm Mm -hmm. and they couldn't hold them culpable of their crimes. What is even worse was that both Jesse and her father had no idea what their mother and wife had done until the trial. Jesse found out what was going on through searches on the internet after investigating comments that were being made to her at school. 
Once they looked into her mother's computer, she had hundreds of compromising images and videos of her daughter that were clearly taken without her consent. Whoa, hold up. Mm-hmm. I think you forgot to mention that Jessie was real. I thought Mary just made her up. Yes. Jessie is no. Mary's daughter? Yep. Oh, wait. She needs to go to prison. Yep. To make matters worse, Mary sent these images out to hundreds of guys on the internet asking if they liked it. Not only has she exploited her daughter, but this woman still has access to a computer. No. Oh my god. Yeah, I mean, and some of the videos, you can tell, like, now knowing the background, you can tell that it was someone videoing it just of an angle that's not appropriate. Like, one of them, she was in a little miniskirt, and she was outside just twirling around, being like a young teenage girl. Mm -hmm. And from up top, it looks sweet and innocent. From down below gross yeah i mean it was just it was horrible and she was sending images of her daughter to all of these men what even is this case like it just is there any more surprises (laughs) (laughs) because i need to know now (laughs) insane mary defends herself by saying things like quote i was just having fun playing games online end quote or I was afraid that if she didn't talk to him, that he would talk to real teenagers, end quote. Mary has never publicly owned up to her mistakes or formally apologized to her daughter, who is no longer in contact with her, and her husband quickly divorced and eliminated all contact with her after finding out what really happened. But I would not want to hear her apologies because it means nothing from someone who believes that they truly did nothing wrong. Wow. Yeah, okay, and going back, correct me if I'm wrong, Mary, tall, hot blonde, reached out as Jessie to Marine Sniper, correct? It wasn't Marine Sniper reaching out to her first. So the first message exchange was that he was in the wrong room. So she messaged him first. But she was just making sure that he didn't talk to real teenagers. But how did she know if she was just messaging him first? <laughs> oh. I am so mad. Yeah. And I mean, she never publicly apologized and her family went on and said that she's never said anything, like just accused it of being drama that she was mixed in that someone else was doing to her. And that when she had to go to court, that's what she told her husband. And he was like, okay, well, best of luck, blah, blah, blah. And then turn around and at school, Jessie's getting these horrible looks and being looked at as this and person online. And those pictures are forever. Mm-hmm. Good for Jesse though, for walking away and saying, like, you know, even though you're my mom, this is toxic, and you used and abused me yeah, for your own personal gain, bye. For something that you're going to go around saying, quote, I was just having fun it's online. It's fun, yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. But now as I wrap up this episode, I want to remind our listeners the dangers of the internet and how words can hurt, and you never truly know who's on the other end of the computer or phone. So be careful. I mean, people fishing people on the internet is not something new and has gotten even more developed as we've gone through the stages through the internet. Protect yourself if you feel like an exchange on social media or the internet doesn't feel right. You never know what could save your life. 
Also be vigilant of the young people around who have been exposed to social media their whole life and think it's okay to post every tidbit of themselves, their emotions, their personal items online via Instagram and Facebook and even Snapchat. I mean, am I aging yeah. myself for throwing Facebook in there? <laughs> A little bit. But I, I get what you're saying. And, you know, we, we don't know yet as a society what social media will do to people when you literally grow up with it from day one Mm -hmm. so uh, I obviously there's good reasons for social media my parents live overseas and I can contact them super easily keep up with people you don't talk to every day yeah huge huge benefits but there's also like this dark side that I personally think we need to like really dive into as a society and make the rules I mean I know nobody likes laws or rules that aren't fun but obviously they're gonna be there for a reason and we still like we don't have anything set up for it so yeah I think in the future once you know we're 45 (laughs) then we'll kind of start seeing things and be like back in my day yeah yeah no I think I need like a whole bottle of wine after this case (laughs) like this blew my mind when I first started diving into it I was like no way and the further I got my mouth was just open like I couldn't believe it and for us who've gone through our lifetime of not having a cell phone to where we are now with TikToks and things like that. And we've seen the ups and downs and the progressions and the scare and the mass hysteria and then the love mm. for it. And you're right. These other, the young generations coming up after us, have, that's all they've known. And they just think it's okay to do all those things and everyone online's telling the truth and it, it's not necessarily the case. And I think you putting the idea of like it, yes, it's great, but there's also some worry to be around it is great because I mean, what I was going to end with is that the internet is not like the real world and you might not be able to see the dark corners around and you should be smart and trust your gut. Yeah. Because you just, you can't hold other people accountable for what they're going to do absolutely well and then I also do just want to add like with everybody's psyche especially with people who grow up with social media like at their fingers they may have to go through and learn for themselves that not everything online is as it seems meaning not everybody is happy-go-lucky and I think we're now seeing it a little bit how you know, that can cause like depression and mm-hmm. anxiety because it's like, why isn't my life like that? Or, you know, like the way everyone or most of the people perceive themselves online and how that could affect their own psyche. We saw it in Homeboy, what's his name? Marine Sniper. <laughs> Marine Sniper, you know, and I, I wonder... I mean, even in Tall Hot Blonde, she was trying that's true, to... true, yeah. She was bored at home, not happy with herself and thought that oh, I'll just become my daughter. I wish someone would take a computer away from her. Especially, like, could you imagine, did she do any damage in 2020 when everybody was home on their computer? Oh, God. <laughs> God. I hope not. I Let's not write a second episode. <laughs> I know. This. I feel like this episode could just keep on going forever. Give me hot lashes. <laughs> but the caption, Instagram versus reality, is a real thing because Instagram life is not real life. Yeah, absolutely. So. And with that, we will conclude episode one of season two. 
Let us know your thoughts on Instagram and Facebook at Lagos Stories. While you're there, don't forget to follow us if you haven't already. If you have a case suggestion, please reach out through our website at lagostories.net. All of today's resource materials will be linked in our description box below. We'll be back with a new episode in a couple of weeks. Until then, stay safe out there. It's a weird world and internet. Thank you to Alexander Nakarada for allowing us to use his sound and nightmare for a theme music.